Hello, loyal listeners of the VLVC podcast. It is uh, Josiah late at night editing this podcast episode while my roommates are asleep. Um, This episode today uh, was originally going to just be a bonus episode um, as Jared is having some some work stress and so was not able to record this week. However, uh, Josh and I got talking um, and it it went on long enough I decided to consider this kind of a non-traditional uh, full, full episode. So this is episode 34. Um, I brought Josh on to talk about Adam Curtis as both of us had just watched. Can't get you out of my head. Uh, a recent documentary series that I, I really recommend that if you can, if you can find it, you should watch it. Um, so we, he came on to talk about that, but as usual, him and I, uh, don't know how to shut up. So we, we kept talking. Um, so I hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening to very legal, very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's okay, man. It's, uh, I'm, uh, (laughs) you know, for the most part, maintaining emotional control. I think my, my partner might have some different words about that, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah, uh, yeah. Work's going okay. I mean, there are some days I want to tear my hair out, but like for the most part, like, yeah, normally it's, it's pretty, pretty cool. Uh, not, not hard um making the most money as an hourly wage i've ever made in my life which yeah, is still not good. much but it's like okay <laughs> like the the ratio of like earnings to suffering is finally inverted a little bit for me so <laughs> right trying that's to good. trying to enjoy that uh yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah yeah just kind of sailing on right now um I got, uh, oh, I'm doing, I'm, uh, taking a class on Freud starting oh, Sunday. That's, that's dope. Yeah. Um, You're going to get really weird. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get so weird, dude. Uh, that's, <laughs> like, Freud is like one of those doors that when you open, it doesn't like, there's yeah. no going back. I, like, and I've already been into some like really weird shit recently. Yeah. Like I've been, uh, you've so, been diving into that, like occult stuff and the chaos yeah, magic. Yeah. <laughs> right yeah conspiracy like yeah conspiracy shit and chaos magic uh though that's that's kind of uh i don't know i'm slowing down on it like at the moment but it's still yeah, yeah. like very much a part of my thought process or whatever right now um yeah all that and so uh yeah gonna get into some early it's it's uh right it's not even basic freud it's specifically late freud like, oh wow like 1920s oh, so stuff yeah that's that's his like uh that's his political stuff right yeah yeah, yeah exactly like, like I, I i started doing some of the reading and it's um like the first little thing was just this uh essay called on transience and how like you know the fact that things decay and and die are what kind of makes you know them beautiful oh. in the first place and uh then it's it's on to um you know a pretty lengthy essay he wrote a couple years into world war one um oh. you know kind of talking about like uh, like the death drive and stuff or yeah or uh oh, i'm not yeah. even sure yet it's it's like the the tone is it's not very technical writing i think it was it was given as a speech or read somewhere like it was, oh, okay. more, it was 
for more of a general audience um the way it sounds like but it was you know reflecting on um yeah uh, you know europe in in the late 19th century mm -hmm. and early 20th century in that um right that sense of like oh war's over war's war's done like this is uh this is the world now you know <laughs> like that uh yeah uh that huh. that idea of you know civilization was progressing and uh you know world peace and order had been achieved um mm -hmm. and yeah, so he's. I, I haven't finished the essay, but it's it's good. Yeah, it yeah good. definitely go into like, oh boy, we were wrong. Um, yeah, my my kind of like introduction to I, I don't want to say philosophy because Freud isn't philosophy, but I, I don't know. Like, I guess uh, intellectual. The first intellectual I ever engaged with was was actually Freud, mm. um, and it was like in high school. It's really odd. It was like Freud and Kierkegaard were like my my beginning. That's really funny, dude. It was so <laughs> funny. <laughs> the, but it was purely out of rebellion. Um, so, okay. So, like, I I took this psychology class. Now, so I was homeschooled. So we did these, like, co-op things where... Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it'd be I, like... I uh, mean, I, I wasn't homeschooled, but I had homeschool friends. Yeah, you were around those co-ops. Yeah, so, uh, so, yeah, yeah. So I ended up in this like psychology class, I guess would be the equivalent of like an AP psych or something um, taught by like a homeschool mom who just like liked psychology in, in college um, with some like yep. Christian textbook. You know, this is very homeschool stuff. Oh, it's so good. And oh. she <laughs> made the day on Sigmund Freud optional. And right. I was a, but yeah, because of all the sex stuff. And and I was, I took offense to that. Like, I was like, you know, look, I I get it. You may not disagree with this worldview and stuff, but this is like the fucking father of psychology. You, I don't, you don't get to make that an optional day. And so I, <laughs> um, we had like these, this book review at the end of the semester that we'd have to like all read a book and then like present it in front of the class, like what we read mm -hmm. and everybody else just read these, like, um, you know, just like, you know, uh, something a psychologist wrote about like, you know, have a weird patient they had or something like that. Yeah. And I read general introduction to psychoanalysis <laughs> 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 and taught the class Freud. <laughs> Oh, that <laughs> that rocks, dude! Oh man, <laughs> I I feel like I, I not a similar experience, but uh, like yeah, my first encounter with Freud was um, you know outside of like I'd say more heavily stereotyped, you know, like pop culture representations right, right. of him or whatever, uh, you know, like. Oh, you know, like breaking down all the the developmental stages and whatnot, and but yeah. it was an AP, yeah, AP psychology class, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and everybody was just like grossed out, and the teacher was like very adamant, saying like, um, yeah, this isn't, you know, this is the basis of psychology. It's not really, you know, practiced anymore. There's not, right, it's, right. you know, it's not part of the institutions anymore. And then like I was the guy who was like, you know, it makes sense though, right? Like, doesn't it kind of? <laughs> Doesn't it, it, kind of, it make, make sense, sense though? You know, and like nobody wanted to accept it. And I'm like, you know, well, right. Yeah. Anal stage. Like, sure. of course. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Like, you know, like uh, people well, get obsessed yeah. with that stuff. You know, I it's... was, I was like a, yeah, like a conservative evangelical at the time. And so part of the thing that I was like, 
trying to do was demonstrate that like a Christian worldview could still engage with Freud, which, you know, now I would care less about that, but right, yeah. I was like, I remember just being frustrated because I was like, okay, you're so horrified that like human motivation is guided by sexuality and depraved shit or whatever. But then all of you are preaching original sin. That right. was like my, yeah. my big thing. I was always saying is I was like, I mean, this makes perfect fucking sense with this like Calvinist yeah, worldview yeah. we all have. Like, oh yeah, most of our motivation comes from selfishness and shittiness. That's, that's, that makes sense. To yeah. Me. That, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <And> it, <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it actually, um, it jives with experience. Um, like yeah. just being in the world, you, uh, you know, he's describing something, uh, you know, fundamental. Um, yeah. Or something. Yeah. Something that, yeah, just makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. So I have, uh, like a lot of pages of that to read before Sunday, but that's exciting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just glad to be, I, I mean, I was so glad that you asked me to be on, on the pod because like, I mean, I, I kind of hinted at it, you know, off, off mic that I'm just like not into making my own podcasts right, right now. Right. Um, but I, I enjoy this part of it. I, I love the conversation and I yeah, love the actual about ideas. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, and just getting out there. Cause I don't really have, um, you know, other outlets for a lot of this yeah. stuff. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's why we, we could talk a bit about this too. It's like at some point, but I'm like writing up my, my philosophy capstone right now. And you're one of the people I keep sending it to when I write right. something. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I don't know anybody else who gives a shit about what I'm doing. I right know, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, oh man, it's, it's good shit. Like it's, uh, it, for whatever reason, it's, it's hitting a lot of, uh, it's in, in kind of perfect harmony with my own obsessions right yeah, now. It seems like it's like different, different sides, but like of a similar coin. Yeah. Actually the most recent chunk I wrote, I actually railed into Freud a little bit though. Which okay. Is kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's, that's okay. Like I'm, Oh, there's lots of, yeah. Right. I mean, I have no investment in him as a thinker. It's just like a lot of, I know a lot of concepts of his are, are ones that are, yeah. That I've inherited. Like, I mean, I was an undergrad I, at the, you know, it was, it was the 2010s. It was all about Zizek and Lacan. And right. Oh yeah. So I mean, object oriented ontology and whatever the fuck. Um, yeah. I mean, we're, yeah. we're living in the shadow of Freud, whether we like it or not, yeah. it's important to understand him. I think yeah. I don't think not everything he says is bad or anything, but, um, right. But yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm definitely not coming from a point of thinking he's a hundred percent right on everything. <laughs> you know, it's, I, right. I, I'm, I don't, I'm not sure I'll ever really consider myself Freudian, but I, I yeah. really enjoy his, um, I don't, yeah, I enjoy the man's ideas. I think they're yeah. really thought provoking and, uh, Honestly, you can't be seriously into film without getting into like oh, psychoanalysis, yeah. Oh, yeah. like because it's 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 such it was such a huge part of just the general yeah. worldview at the time, like the form right. is coming into it. So it informs the theory. <laughs> it, it certainly informed like, you know, the actual process of of filmmaking. Um, this is OK. This is so interesting because there's. I, so because, because of the thing I'm like writing and talking about Freud in it, um, there was a movie that popped in my head that I hadn't thought about in a long time. And I ended up sticking it in my argument just for fun. We'll see if my professor even cares. And it was, um, of all things, uh, Miracle on 34th Street. Um, the 
because I didn't, I hadn't thought about the thesis of that movie since I haven't watched it since I was a kid. But the the central bad guy is the is the psychiatric establishment throughout right. the entire film, and like that, I don't know. That was like such an odd moment where it's like very much a movie about rebelling against this whole like uh, movement to like um, rationalize and make scientific the mind. Because like yeah. you know, I don't know. I, I I'm gonna have to think about it, and I I feel weird watching it in March. But yeah. I'm, like, I'm just thinking about it as a movie because it's like a sentimentalist, nice Christmas movie. But yeah. like, there's like this whole thing going on with like, you know, the kid isn't allowed to believe in fairy tales because her mom is a rationalist, you know, and it's like Santa Claus is introducing this like, you know, re-mystifying the world. I don't know. Yeah. It's yeah. re-enchanting it. I don't know. Yeah, there's something there. Um, I mean, just kind of uh, maybe beside the point, like I... Well, that's all to say, like, uh, go for it. I mean, I think you've yeah. got a thing with Christmas movies and, uh, <laughs> <I> really do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's not a bad thing. Like lean into I it, buddy. Um, but it's, yeah, I don't know. I think those old cr Christmas movies always have weird theses like going on in them. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, and it's, it's just interesting that even like, right. It's, it's just like, oh, it's the Santa Claus's real movie, but then it like takes that premise kind of seriously and is trying to comment on, yeah. The times are, are we talking like the original or the nineties remake? Oh, the original, of course, the original. Okay. Yes. Nice. Um, I have seen neither honestly, oh, but I'm wow, like, okay. you know, I'm like vaguely aware, aware so, of them. So and, there, and there is a, the scene, the scene version. that came to my mind when I was writing that, like you, you, I think would be fascinated by is, um, so like real Santa is working with all these like mall Santas. They're not actually mall Santas, but you know, for sake of, you know, a bunch of people dressing up as Santa, for, right. Like, and shit. And one of the guys is doing it. He's this like young man. And it's because he just likes to make children smile. Like he just likes to make children happy. And then what goes on happening is this guy goes to therapy and the like Freudian, like the stereotypical Freudian psychoanalyst tells him, well, you don't actually like making children smile. You have like deep regrets inside of you that you're trying to like live out. And so mm -hmm. you're actually secretly egoistic and you know, you we're not actually going to green light you to be a Santa. And so like the, the whole, like just virtuous niceness is like ruined with this scientific analysis that just kind of like takes any idea of virtue out of him. I don't know. Right. I, yeah. I'm thinking about that a lot. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you should totally watch it. Like I, I need to rewatch it as an adult. I don't know. I've been yeah, thinking I, about it. yeah. I should, I should, yeah, I should watch that shit. Um, <laughs> I don't know, but I was just thinking like it's it's weird how many movies were made like earlier in the 20th century that were just straight up about ideas like that was the issues yeah. movie of the day right like oh right. we're gonna make a Christmas movie but like oh what how do we make this compelling oh uh, let's put this like sort of anti psychiatry thing in there um, <laughs> and you know that I mean anti psychiatry was like a huge part of the you know left uh, yeah we forget uh, about that yeah uh, I mean well, especially. That's... Yeah. like right Deleuze and Guattari and uh yeah oh, man Foucault to some extent I think I, yeah, mean, for I, sure. mean, I mean Foucault's analysis at least is a huge like theoretical basis um I, going... I think I think Adam Curtis and to bring that up now hell yeah um, does a good job of like taking the good parts of the anti-psychiatry movement without it necessarily turning into um you know like 
I, I think a lot of people who fall into like anti-psychiatry type stuff or anti-psychology then just never get help for like serious problem, mental problems mm, that they have. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I don't like Adam Curtis doesn't fall into that where it's like, there's a role for therapy and stuff, but obviously like, like the anti-psychiatry movement was kind of pointing to, there's like real problems in our society that just, you know, reading a self-help book isn't going to take care right, of. Right. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah. I, I always liked, uh, Mark Fisher's take on it is, um, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Fisher as well. Like the, uh, yeah, that idea that it's, it's just, um, right. Adjusting you to fit back into, into capitalist society or, uh, right. You, right. It's, it's to help you manage your emotions so you can better deal with reality rather than like asking if the, yeah, the world, the system I participate in is actually causing the feeling like it's, it's right. just full stop. This is your fault or not this is your fault but this is a disorder in your brain and will help you manage it personally like yeah. there's um or not even disorder in your brain but uh yeah stuff um and i think he's really more critiquing like that the, the widespread sort of habitual knee jerk overuse yeah. of it yeah, rather not, than not like like like, like, not like yeah, serious you know. treatment yeah like or yeah. um like uh right the heavy you know you know pharmaceutical interventions and the mm. the serious stuff um i mean not that like anxiety and depression aren't aren't serious but uh yeah we all know there are there are degrees you know the uh, conditions which you know contribute to self-harm actively mm -hmm. maybe is a yeah, good way of cause, putting cause it because i yeah. i think i think like yeah if 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 medication needs to keep somebody from hurting themselves or whatever like that's a totally acceptable decision to make you yeah, know, like I don't think the the well, I think maybe the actual anti psychiatry movement could could have been opposed to that, but I, I think like the softened Mark Fisher Adam Curtis version, right? I think is less yeah. that way where it's like, no, get get help, but also acknowledge yeah. like there might be a reason that you're like depressed. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? like yeah, Fisher Fisher, he's been like you know weirdly or you know pretty open like yeah i suffer from yeah. depression i you know i do this but i recognize this is this is what it's doing you know but it's like yeah. he's still seeking the help he's not right you know there's no like yeah psy psychiatry psychology i guess i don't really know the fine differences between that but yeah right the um that that whole thing uh yeah right it's just sort of um, right. It's trying to describe reality as it is. It's not trying to, you know, fundamentally change anything. And it, it's right. Um, very much implemented on an individualist basis rather than, uh, anything else. I kind of lost my train of thought. No, right. you're totally <laughs> just going to, Oh, um, on, on theme, but just, uh, another, I mean, if we want to get like a little, a little spooky here, um, oh, I feel yeah, like I've brought spooky. up the word synchronicity on, on the pod before. Yeah. Um, uh, funnily enough. So I, I, there, I found a book, I found a book in my apartment. It had been sitting in the back. We have like a shared stairwell. It's like a house that's converted into apartments. There's three units. We're on the ground floor. Um, so yeah. there's a back stairwell. Um, there's just a bunch of shit back there uh you know like just junk collects who knows whose it was but you know no one's really laying claim to it um but there was a little stack of books and it was a little hardcover volume um that just said psychological seduction on it um <laughs> okay yeah yeah so 
I think I remember like kind of scoffing at it and I'm like, what is that? A fucking like pickup artist manual or some shit. <laughs> right. Like, what, right. What is that? And then I remember like looking at the table of contents. I'm like, oh, it's oh, it's some Christian bullshit. And then disregarding it. <laughs> um, and then a third time I looked at it again because it's it's like just this red book and it's just sitting on the shelf and I see it every time I take the trash. Wait, out, psych- you know? Psychological seduction. Psychological seduction. I can't recall the author right now. I purposefully didn't really look into the <laughs> context of it um, for reasons that will become clear in a second. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I, I sorry, I, I I thought I'd heard of this book. I haven't heard of this one, but I ran into another one called Psycho Heresy, which is essentially the same thing. Okay, yeah, it's like uh, Kil, it's by Kilpatrick, Kirkpatrick. Kirkpatrick. Yeah, 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 yeah. One. Um. Anyway, so then a third time I look at it, and I I, I think I I read like part of the introduction, and then I I somehow bypassed the Christian part and just sort of locked onto oh, it's a critique of psychiatry or like psychology. Sure. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So maybe this book is actually cool. So then I, I take it in the apartment. Like, I, you know, I've been here a year and a half. That book's been out there the whole time. You know, and like a week and a half ago, I, you know, I bring it in and then I start reading it and I'm like, oh, fuck, it's some Christian bullshit. Um, uh, but then it kind of hooks me like, I'm yeah, like, oh, OK, all right. No, this is like a legitimate criticism of um, like, I, so I. I just kind of wanted to see if I could gauge who this person was without like looking them up and sort of like prejudging like what stream of Christianity they come from. I'm like, right, right. right. You know, Cause obviously, you know, I've, uh, right. I mean, um, you know, we've shouted out the Magnificast or whatever before, yeah. but right. We're, you know, there's good Christian books out there that, yes, that are exist. interesting, you know? Um, so I'm like, oh, maybe it's one of those. And then, uh, you know, I go through it and it's it's <laughs> definitely pitched at like a mass audience. And it, uh, you know, I think it was published in like 1983. So, um, okay. you know, yeah, there's there's comments about like homosexuality and, you know, oh, what constitutes yeah. a family and um, stuff like that. But it's this dude who I think, you know, would consider himself maybe not like a liberal Christian. I, he considers himself like a traditional Christian, but it's probably like high church England. So like he, he mm, critiques evangelicals yeah, yeah. a lot. So I wasn't really okay. sure who he was, but I was just, you know, trying to see like, okay, what, is there something compelling here? Even if I, you know, don't really, um, glom onto is it, cause like the introductions like, you know, Oh, non-Christians, you might find something interesting in this too. So it really is pitched at a wide yeah, like audience, wide, yeah. but, but the guy's like unapologetic about, you know, I am a, I am a traditional Christian. Um, yeah sort of thing i'm you know very you know biblical but then he'll you know say essentially that uh oh christianity is just a story that we all participate in so it's like oh okay you're you're one of those guys okay yeah yeah you know like there's uh you know some of that narrative theology stuff going on right you know and like his biggest reference is c.s lewis followed closely by gk chesterton okay yeah yeah, those guys and (laughs) like and I, there's stuff I like by both of those authors. Like, For I sure, mean, same, um, yeah. you know, they're, uh, they're phenomenal writers, whether or not you agree with their worldview, um, in, in some ways. Um, and, uh, yeah. you know, so it can go either way on that, but it's like, okay, all right. I can at least, you know, take you a bit seriously or whatever. Um, and, you know, and then he's critiquing, you know, evangelicalism and stuff, uh, weirdly enough. Hmm. Um, I don't know. It's turned out to be interesting. It's like, yeah, I don't, I definitely don't agree with or participate in this guy's 
you know, preferred version of Christianity or what he considers yeah. authentic Christianity, but it's not the worst version of that. Um, yeah. It just has some really unfortunate, like archaic cultural baggage um, for, you know, being published yeah, being in, in the 80s, 83. Yeah. But it, you know, it was like, this pretty good you know critique of like okay we've just accepted a psychological worldview and like oh you evangelicals you're you know what you consider to be like your church practice is just uh you know the encounter group which is a psychological mm. treatment practice from blah 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 you know yeah and so yeah. it was a guy who like you know says he was very into psychology like studied psychology and then right uh, right then came to a point in his faith where he just found the two things like fundamentally opposed and sort of you know, saw how a psychological framework or worldview had had sort of structurally infiltrated um, hmm. the church and and church practice, and he's like, uh, you know, yeah, there, yeah, yeah. I find oddly, I, oddly maybe a really meaningful critique in that. Yeah, I mean, no, yeah, it's 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 been worthwhile, and like it's it's a really interesting artifact in and of itself, just because of like the circumstances of finding it. Um, but there's a ton of highlighted passages and like some notes in the margins. So I've been adding my own and I've been, you know, thinking mm. about either leaving it in the apartment or putting it in one of those, like, you know, book box, little mini libraries yeah, that yeah, I yeah. have in the neighborhood. Like, um, I just, yeah. And you know, it's, it's got a stamp that it's, you know, from the library of a, a reverend. So who mm. knows? Like, yeah, the origin is a complete mystery like um whose it was is a complete mystery and then i'm I'm like you know i'm finding some worthwhile stuff and it seems to be uh topically relevant to just a lot mm. of other stuff i'm interested in right now so yeah uh that was you know long yeah. rambling thing no but, no uh, but i i think i think yeah i mean i don't know if i'm interpreting this quite right but like the the notion that like at least a really, you know, maybe if we're not going to call it inherently psychological perspective, then like a self-help perspective infiltrating like religious groups can actually be really, really damaging because yeah. it's, it's fundamentally a really individualist mindset and it doesn't see problems as like communal or social, you know, it doesn't see like, you know, uh, depression or something like that as, as symptomatic of something like broader um, occurring within like within our society or whatever. And so especially in a, you know, a religious setting, which is inherently communal or social, it, it, it can actually be pretty damaging. I, I could see that argument. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I don't know. And it, it kind of jived with a lot of my experience, um, yeah. you know, growing up in the evangelical church and especially the way like, uh, youth group was structured, you know, like kind of the, you know, what they termed discipleship was, you know, Right. Encounter groups, sharing your individual experience. Um, mm -hmm. So it was all these like overtures towards community, but like then it's just like, oh, it's about your relationship with God. I mean, it was still yeah. so isolating. Mm -hmm. um, but then weirdly, like there's an odd confessional component to like you're compelled, yeah. you're compelled to um, confess, but like it's couched in these weird terms of like, you know, just see how the spirit moves you. Where's your heart yeah. at, buddy? um and it's i don't know i think that kind of fucked yeah. me up a little bit like, no, it's, it's, I, almost, like it's, it's almost individualist and public at the same time i'm trying yeah. to think of like a way to put that but like yeah yeah it's, I don't know what's going on right there. i mean i feel like it's it's a slightly different um like yeah. a slightly different paradigm like like right it's it's this acceptance of like the psychological worldview as a norm but it's this sort of half-assed like reskin of it 
like mm. oh you can have the like sort of christian version of this you know and that's yeah. i think that's a very evangelical thing is just like you know there's no in in the sort of adherence to iconoclasm and trying to you know do away with you know what they mm. see as the pagan practices of of the you know the high church um they just wound up importing a lot of <laughs> Shit oh yeah that, that kind of uh, had its own ideology and purpose that doesn't necessarily you know mesh with um you know for lack of a better term traditional christian practices yeah. and beliefs i mean i don't know that's i mean on a more societal level and less an evangelical level i mean that is kind of like mcintyre's diagnosis right yeah yeah, yeah. which yeah i guess for those who don't know alistair mcintyre is, is a philosopher uh, Aristotelian philosopher that I've been really influenced by lately, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, his, his fundamental argument is that we've started just using our, our culture doesn't have any actual grounding or mutual language about morality to communicate from. So we're just kind of pulling theories like chunks of theories away yeah. without actually the reference points or something like that. Like right. yeah. qu quoting the idea of human rights without the belief in a, in a God that gives human rights is, is incoherent because that's part of the idea of human rights. Like that's where the theory comes from, you know, mm -hmm. but we just kind of conjure up all these terms without like the theories behind them. Yeah. And especially, uh, like a community context, like it, it has yeah, to yeah. be in a, um, that was that I think that was my big takeaway from like after after virtue, but I know that's like, mm. you know, his huge Yeah, his like um, communitarianism, thing. yeah. Right. Like I mean it it's uh I mean I, I haven't read I haven't read him in a in a while, but I definitely yeah. like rem you know, he makes some really compelling and powerful arguments. Um yeah, he's, he's uh, like it, there's really hard that, to argue with. I yeah, it just yeah. it sticks with you. Um but yeah, I mean, uh, so I don't know if he like addresses it specifically, but like the connection I'm making right now is like, you know, you're trying to build morality and ethics from like the sort of individual ego, right? You know, you're, mm. you're assuming the individual is the basic unit of society. Um, and then like, okay, so how does, how does an individual move through the world and, and, mm -hmm. you know, maintain freedom without infringing on the freedom of others? Yeah. And uh, you can't, you can't build a coherent morality out of that. No, no. <laughs> like I, I really yeah, don't think like, you can. No, I don't think you can. You know, build an individualist morality at all. And actually, like, kind of what I'm just going. I my brain is on this this you know 25 page paper I'm having to write over the course of the last two weeks. So that's pretty much all I'm thinking about right mm -hmm. now. But um, I don't know. The the fundamental argument I I'm playing with there is that like we cannot with individualism like address environmental catastrophe at all. Oh, hundred like, percent. Yeah. Like, yeah. Or even down to COVID. Like, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I tried out like what I'm writing this, I'm writing this bigger paper on environmental stuff, but I tried out kind of the idea I'm playing with on just COVID and wrote like a short paper about COVID at one point. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was exactly that, like that argument that we just, we, we cannot have an individualist morality, um, to address this problem. And that's, that's why we have the, the crisis that we're in. That's why we have this, like, I don't know, inability to get people to wear masks and stuff because we've treated right. our morality as like a, you know, you decide what's, what's true or moral for you. Yeah. Rather than some sort of broader thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's the, um, the, the sort of caricatured notion of freedom, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, freedom, 
Right. It's not the freedom to, it's the freedom from, and, you know, mm-hmm. the freedom from any constraints on my behavior within, you know, certain legal limits. Like, yeah. <laughs> as long as I'm not infringing on the rights of others. Right. But like, right. Uh, yeah, you you don't recognize that we're connected and we need each other. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> yeah. you know, every every you know hardened individualist had a mother, um, or <laughs> a, you yeah, know a mother funny. figure. You know, I'm not not trying to like you know normalize the the patriarchal heteronormative family <laughs> by any means, but like the the reason you are who you are is because of other people. They taught you how to act. They taught you how to want. They taught you how to love. Like nothing. Yeah nothing you have is your own right, um, right like i mean speaking of fucking psychology i mean the mm. you know, the studies they do on like feral children you know yeah um, kids yeah. who grow up in abject conditions you know they don't develop language they don't you oh, know it yeah. becomes very hard to you know uh have them able to like communicate with other people and mm. you know care you know um participate in society Um, right right you know much less you know take care of themselves um we need each other man (laughs) like it's uh and it's just so fucked up that like the if there's one overarching you know message in culture it's just like you know it's so focused on the self be your best self do your hustle Yeah. Uh, right. I, I just I don't think the self is is a unified or coherent concept, much less a solid enough one to face society. No, no, it's not. I mean, uh, and yeah. which is like, well, I mean, well, supposedly the reason we're talking today is uh, that we've both watched Adam Curtis's Curtis, latest yes. work. Uh, your first Curtis, if I'm if I'm it not. It was mistaken. my first Curtis, and I've I have not watched. Okay, so I haven't watched hyper hypernormalization. Okay, um, and the reason for that is because I I find it weirdly easier to binge his series. Um, that makes even, sense, actually. Yeah, yeah, even though they're longer, because like okay, the other night I was like, well, I'm not I'm not going to watch hypernormalization because that's like three hours long. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, well, I'm just going to watch the first uh, first episode of. Oh fuck! What's his 2016 one? Uh, it's got the long name about machines watching over us. Oh uh, damn! I did. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. All watched over by machines of love and grace. Oh um, okay. Yeah, I, yeah. So I watched the first one of that, and then I ended up watching the whole series, which was three hours long. And I was like, shit! I could have. I know. Yeah, it. that's how they get you, man. That's how they get you. Um, I also watched through the trap, and then a the couple trap, of his okay. short. Yeah, and then, those. Um, yeah. Yeah, those are ones I haven't. Yeah, those are ones I haven't seen. I think I've, oh man, like for for being very interested in Adam Curtis, I've mostly just rewatched Hypernormalization a lot. Like I haven't really <laughs> delved into the back catalog. I remember I threw on the Century of the Self in the background for oh, yeah. a while. Um, I I remember some of the early episodes, but then there were a bunch I watched that I wasn't super paying attention to, so I'll have to like. Mm-hmm redo that but yeah i've mostly rewatched hypernormalization. uh i've seen like a good you know the early bits of the century of the self yeah and then yeah can't get you out of my head um 
I, I do so, highly okay. recommend the trap. Uh, the that, trap? That, okay. yeah, yeah, that one, that one was great. Yeah. I want to do that one. Uh, another priority Curtis work is the power of nightmares, maybe followed by yeah. bitter Lake. Yeah. Um, both. I mean, <laughs> Dude's dude's so interesting. Dude dives into. Really yes, I I think this th- yeah. us talking might be interesting too because we might emphasize different aspects of Curtis based off the stuff we've watched. I don't know. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like I mean, yeah, I'm 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 yeah. I I would love to expound my theories on hyper. I don't even have theories, but I can talk about hypernormalization for sure. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So I, I guess maybe what are some like initial thoughts? Um, I don't know how long we're going to talk since this is a bonus, but like, what are like initial thoughts we have about, uh, can't get, can't get you out of my head. Um, I, I think this is the one I've been, uh, like I can say I have critiques, but I really like, yeah, I like his argument and I like where he lands too much, um, to like, yeah. I I think it I think it's great I think it's um I don't know I like the hopeful Adam Curtis for sure that was that I, was uh, okay that was I think maybe maybe my favorite thing he pulled in this like just on a like writing level to the choice to okay the choice to end on the replication bias was or replication crisis was was brilliant I think um because like the whole series is like leading up to this idea that like behavioral psychology has shown that we we have no control over ourselves right um and we're just going to be at the victim of these these technocrats and you know whatever for the rest of our lives and then it kind of ends on this like oh hey but all of that science might have been built up on faulty foundation i i think that was a brilliant way to end it where it's like oh the the thing that that might be giving us the this amount of like letting technology have this amount of control over us is that we believe it has this amount of control over us i don't know it was it was really no, good yeah yeah dude dude it's so it's so good i didn't know that was the the formal name for it the replication crisis um yeah yeah it's yeah. it's been happening since like early 2010s this is a an episode idea that i've had floating around forever that i haven't been able to get jared in on but i think people more people need to know about the replication crisis it's super interesting hey i'll i'll tap in on that if you ever want to do it so oh hell yeah um, yeah (laughs) uh okay that yeah so that's good um yeah man i like that's that hopeful bit like i mean i i feel like i've been just kind of you know uh sitting around for a year thinking about like okay what the fuck's going on what the fuck's next how the fuck do i deal with this yeah um and and like a repeated theme is like the old you know the the true stories that we thought were true well it turns out they're not true anymore like shit doesn't work but uh you know nobody's got any better ideas we're just you know locked in this uh time loop um basically like it's um yeah yeah uh where am I? Sorry, the dog barked and distracted me. Um, <laughs> really good. It's it's a time loop. Uh, but yeah, like the old shit is breaking down, and like I found that to be a very depressing thought. But this is the first time, like Adam Curtis basically narrated that story, and he's like, "Don't you see the old stories are breaking down? This is exciting. Yeah, like we can <laughs> we can do something new. Yeah, you know, and I, I love that he ends on that uh, the the mm. Graber quote. You know, the the hidden truth of the world is that people make it, and we can make it different. I mean, yeah. Oh, it's very. Um, good. I mean, what it, so if if there's 
if there's been a reason I've been, you know, the most pissed off for the past couple weeks is just realizing how fluid history is like how the world didn't have to be this way. Yeah. Like it didn't have to be this way. Like there's, there's, there's nothing faded about anything that's happening right now. You Mm -hmm. know, like there's no, (laughs) it didn't have to be this way. (laughs) (laughs) Like, why aren't we all just so much more pissed? And I think people are, you know, starting to get pissed. Like we're still in that like sort of shocked, depressive phase of like, yeah, well, shit, what else is there? So um, <laughs> I, I really I hate to be the uh, my capstone guy for this entire episode. But again, it's what I've been I, breathing. I, well, yeah. And I, I I've said I'm, I'm interested in your thought process here and I'm yeah. looking forward to actually, you know, yeah. reading uh, your paper. So yeah. but uh, so, so my my idea that I'm playing with is Susan Neiman's um, uh, Evil and Modern Thought, which is a great great introduction to modern philosophy as side note like more people should read it as an introduction um she basically like argues that like so you got the problem of evil which is like you know uh there's a good god who's all powerful and yet evil exists those three things can't exist at the same time like one of those is wrong therefore that's the problem of evil um and in reacting to that throughout modern philosophy and like different ways people have tried to make those things work. Uh, one of the biggest ways that they did that was, um, there, there used to be these categories, like, you know, there are different types of evil. There's like moral evil, like evil that I did, uh, versus natural evil, which is like a hurricane or an earthquake or something like that. Um, you know, and that was part of the problem of evil was like, why, why would God make earthquakes happen or whatever? Um, and so eventually they they decided to just completely strip the entire idea of natural evil. Like that disappeared throughout modern philosophy to this day that like now, if I said something was like an evil earthquake, you would be confused by that concept. Like that doesn't make any sense. Um, and so what I'm doing with my paper is arguing that that process of getting rid of the idea, the concept of natural evil um, has, has had like implications for how we like think about environmental problems and stuff. And, uh, like I was saying, I was, I was railing on Freud. What I was doing with Freud was saying that like his idea that the human self and the human mind can be understood in natural terms. Um, the implication of that came that we can't even moralize about like what's happening in people's minds because they don't have control over that. That's their human nature. It is what it is, which, you know, may there, there's a sense of that. That's true when it comes to like sympathy or whatever, but like, you know, why does this person have depression? We don't see it as a moral problem that they have depression, that perhaps there's a societal thing that's giving them depression, you know, and that this is maybe an evil that's being committed on that person. No, we, we don't think of it that way. We just think of it as like, oh, it's a malfunction. It's natural. It's it's part of natural processes. Um, and then as that like nature, natural mindset gets applied to like the market or, you know, societal whatever it's taken as again like natural rather than worthy of having any sort of like moral uh analysis so i don't know that's kind of what i've, I've been playing with uh, i forgot why that was relevant in my head to this but <laughs> uh dude, yeah yeah it it uh it makes sense i mean it's yeah. uh it's a problem of individuality i mean yeah i remember um like going through philosophy class. And I think, you know, a big, a big feature of my, my break with Christianity was 
right kind of doing away with the notion of evil it's just like oh there's yeah. you know people and they just they just do stuff and you know yeah um, you know evil is really nobody's fault or whatever right. but then i right. kind of bounced back like once you um i don't know i mean i feel like there was that deconstructive phase that i think enabled me to be more loving and understanding like i think that's mm -hmm. what i needed as a person yeah at same. that time those were the ideas i need i needed to deconstruct this heart i needed I needed to destroy the notion of evil, um, but it's not healthy to do away with the notion of evil. It's not. No, I think it needs to come back. You need to, um, do, dude. I mean, if there's been a trajectory to my, um, you know, growth. Uh, uh, I mean, I hesitate to even call myself a, a leftist because I'm not really doing anything politically, materially. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, there. It really is just a set of ideas I agree with, but I, you know, yeah. Um, uh, I hesitate to take the label, but I mean, these, these are where my sympathies are and like, you know, what, what little I can do. This is like the direction I'm trying to move in. Right. Right. Um, right. It's, I've, I've, it's been about studying evil. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's been about studying evil. I, I wrote my, my senior, uh, not cap, not capstone. My, my undergrad thesis was on, uh, depictions of torture in cinema in the Bush administration. You know, um, oh, interesting. I think I picked it out mostly because it sounded metal. But then I, I uh, you know, I thought it would be like sort of fucked up and controversial. And I was kind of like really into shocking people at the time. Um, <laughs> just oh man, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, right. Every everybody kind of has their G.G. Allen phase. You know, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, you know, I was just really into extreme aesthetics, and you know, I thought Christian culture was very complacent, and I, um, mm. you know, it was like we kind of need to like confront the darkness of the world, and I think this is, you know, it, mm. it, it felt like a, you know, it wasn't. It started out as an aesthetic exercise, but then it's it's become kind of an obsession of mine. Um, yeah. You know, it's like you know, I. I contemplated evil i've stared evil in in the in the face to some extent um yeah you know what how you know how did how did um you know torture become something america did you know and that yeah. that really went counter to what you know i thought christianity and america meant you know as a child and as a teenager yeah. right you know the the stories i'd been told the um you know what you know i I'd been fed all these stories about what's good and what's evil. And then yeah. like, you just sort of like, okay, so I was supposed to be the good guys, but you're condoning this. You're condoning the treatment of human beings like this by the state, by the military, by, uh, you know, for, for no end to, to no, to no productive end. Like it didn't, it doesn't yield good intelligence. Um, right. Right. But you know what it does? It, it makes people very controllable. It makes people very docile. It makes them yeah. accept your truth. Um, yeah. It's raw power, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and that's, uh, I, I mean, I think one of the most powerful works I've ever read in my life is uh, William Kavanaugh's Torture and Eucharist. Um, oh, wow. Just I've... like, just uh, a masterful, masterful work of political theology. Um, but he he does a case study of how the Pinochet regime used torture in Chile um, and portrays it as a counter Eucharist. 
um oh, uh, interesting uh, like uh, an anti-eucharist so you know the eucharist is you know it's the ritual by which you you know consecrate yourself to the community you 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 know it's this is the uh um this is the church consecrate, you know, uh, bride mm. of Christ consecrating yourself to, you yeah. know, it's, 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 it's this regular act of, of commitment and, and holiness. Um, mm. and, and torture is meant to break the bonds. Eucharist is meant to forge, you know, mm. um, it's, it's the yeah, yeah. state undoing the person by cutting them, yeah. cutting them off from their community, cutting them off from their family and, and using those things against them. Um, mm it's it's the worst thing you can do to a person yeah <laughs> and yeah. it uh it wow. it was a cultural obsession in the early 2000s hostile saw 24 yeah um yeah. torture was just in the air and god damn it we got off on it dude yeah oh people yeah. got off on that shit um <laughs> Oh man, that's yeah, that's uh, like you know. So so weirdly, I, I've been trying to think about like what my critiques of Adam Curtis are, and like I just don't think he gets into the evil of it. Like he's still yeah. too like I love the way he narrates things, and I love the way he puts it on a on a human level. But I don't think mm. he recognizes evil. <laughs> you know, I, I yeah. like the concept. Like he he makes all these allusions to power but he can't recognize evil i i listened to his interview on chapo today which is uh very honestly good, yeah. uh, it's a very good interview um and again i love him as an artist i love him as a person um and uh, uh it was kind of funny it's the first episode of chapo i'd listened to in like a year and so it was kind oh, of really <laughs> yeah but it, but it was nice it was it was very much a like a nice confluence of like oh obviously this is something like chop you know chop a trap house got me into adam curtis like i'll, I'll right, admit right. that fully you know i i didn't know who this guy was until they had him on after the 2016 election to talk about yeah. hyper normalization you know and uh, yeah yeah you know it, it put the hooks in me you know and so it's oh, like sure. you know it's like being able to revisit it in a mode where it's like oh this is you know one of the things i found valuable from this this is something that i've taken forward with me and uh, mm -hmm. Um, cause I've, you know, got my problems with Chapo trap house now, but, um, <laughs> that's neither yeah. here nor there. Uh, yeah. but the, yeah, the one thing I, I disagreed with about is like, you know, he's like, oh, I think Hillary Clinton's a good person, but you know, she participated in this bad system, which is like, mm -hmm. oh, I agree with you. I mean, I, I don't think she understood the magnitude of what she was doing, but I think she's an evil person you yeah, know <laughs> well that's that's like um yeah okay so so that's that's kind of what's interesting is there's a um uh neiman kind of gets into this there's there's kind of like a pre and post holocaust notion of evil right um yeah. and pre-holocaust is like you know marquis de Sade might be the best example of like where e like what evil starts to look like where it's mm -hmm. like it's very intentional. It's not only that you did a bad thing, but it's that you 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 wanted to do the bad thing and you yeah. wanted to do something that could defile God. You know, like that's the truest sense of radical evil is like intentionally doing something wrong for the sake of wrongness. Mm -hmm. um, as radical evil after the Holocaust was uh, thoughtlessness. Um, mm, because, yeah. it, you know, like think of Hannah Arendt as like her big right. thing, like Eichmann in Jerusalem, like, you know, Eichmann was actually, uh, um, I, I don't know if I should say well-intentioned, but she almost gets close to saying that, like the dude was just kind of there, just filling out paperwork, thinking he was mm -hmm. fine. 
and it was his thoughtlessness while participating in like an evil system that was the essence of like radical evil like radical evil is to participate and not ask questions yeah you're right i think curtis is he's correct maybe even to say that hillary clinton's a good person but what he's not like you know what what it's important to say is like that can still be very evil. In fact, that's the most t- common type of evil after the Holocaust. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's it's things like um, the reason, you know, Neiman argues the reason 9-11 was jarring for us was because it was an old type of evil being done. Um, but on the whole, we're used to this, like, you know, Hannah Arendt evil. It's like 9-11 was people intentionally causing damage, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and so I mean, it had was, that old yeah. feel. Yeah. Right. And it was, it was a, it was a spectacle. Like it was, it was like a media event in a way that like, you know, Pearl Harbor wasn't right. (laughs) You know, like, um, but yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah. A hundred, a hundred percent. But it was like, uh, yeah, that was a compelling clear cut story to latch onto. Like, you know, Mm. it doesn't have the like sort of, uh, just crazy making effects. Maybe there's a better term for that, but like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, of trying, right. Contemplating the desk killer, you know, um, and how, you know, like people who are, you know, appear to be like, you know, good fathers and husbands and members Mm -hmm. of their community can, uh, you know, they, (laughs) you know, show up for work and, you know, make a few decisions that, Mm -hmm. you know, get a couple hundred people killed, you know? Yeah. Um, (laughs) yeah, I think there was a, there was a book that came out a couple years ago. Um, I, I, you, we, them, something like that. But it's it's like this um, study of desk killers and bureaucratic murder. Um, hmm. Yeah, yeah, I here it is. Yeah, I it's I, uh, I, you, we, them. Yeah, I, you, we, them. Okay, I haven't I haven't read it yet, but I, uh, uh, yeah, I like to mention books I don't read. <laughs> I love uh, doing that. Dude. Uh, yeah, just oh, I've I've. I've read about this book. I, I think they're probably going in a good direction, but you know, don't know yet, but uh, <laughs> check it out. Um, but I, I listened to like a pretty long interview with the guy um, hmm. that kind of, yeah, went over, went over the idea and it's just like, yeah, the nuts and bolts reality, like, you know, talking to the people or, you know, studying the people themselves. So I think that's, yeah, you know, a valuable yeah. contribution to scholarship. I, I, he ended the interview on this sort of like, you've got to go out and vote. You know, that's how you stop it. And I'm like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> did he did like, he actually say vote? I don't know. Oh, yeah. I don't no, she that. like bro- almost broke down in tears. Like, say, you've got to vote. You know, like, and he's like a uh... British dude or something. Like, um, and it was on uh, like a pretty, you know, occult leaning, like sort of podcast like that. Yeah. Weirdly enough. But, you know, um, I don't know. I, I do find some of those shows have a like this very oh, oh, interesting sorry. like Dan, the guy who wrote I U We Them. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I thought you meant Adam Curtis. I was like, Oh no, not Adam Curtis. I was Curtis. like, that yeah. does not sound like Adam no, Curtis. No, no, he's not. He, <laughs> I, I don't think he'd go down to like specifics, but this I mean, obviously this was like a really well meaning, like liberal guy who, you know, right, encountered right. evil in its purest form. But like all he could do is panic and say, You've got to vote, you know? Yeah. Like he couldn't like you know, he was going through that. He's like, he's like, this is unspeakable. And we have to like, you know, think about this and reform mm. our society. Like he, he's clearly yeah. like, I've identified this problem and something should, we should be, should be done. But like, he doesn't have enough of a, 
a radical you know, a political magic. framework that can go beyond you know you've got to vote you've got to write your congressman or yeah your mp or whatever it was a british right. guy for whatever reason but uh i mean yeah adam curtis like even in his vagueness like he i think he gets the stakes right yeah um like i mean especially that chapo interview like you know the question he ends on in the hyper normalization interview four years ago like yeah do you do want you, change do you actually want change i yeah. mean that's something you seriously have to ask yourself um like i mean i don't make much money but i make enough to where like you know there's a lot of little services on my phone that, you know i can live in comfort i can live in convenience yeah. you know i can i can have my needs catered to um, by you know ordering stuff which I do. I take advantage of that. I haven't. I haven't been able to curb that. Yet. I know it's wrong. You know, I should. <laughs> right. Um... So, like, honestly, even if the thesis wasn't that great, although it happens to be pretty good, mm-hmm. um, you know, it just sticking some, you know, indie rock over a riot in in like britain or something is always going to be like oh that's nice yeah i, just, yeah. I like that <laughs> right yeah yeah or, uh, my, yeah my, i mean uh, current spotify playlist has like grown since watching oh yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh just good stuff i mean yeah it's just uh <laughs> yeah that style though um i mean i i feel like there was a time where like if you're using like sort of you know it's not it's not necessarily found footage but i mean you i'm sure you've seen enough like uh cheaply produced educational videotapes that just use a lot of yeah, stock yeah. footage right you know it's yeah you know i always thought that was the lowest form of filmmaking or montage but it's like this man like he has unprecedented access to archives of footage and yeah. he knows how to find like just really powerful stuff and he knows oh, how my to, god like kind of manipulate that that image um yeah mm. man uh it's it's good i i I find it he he really captures um the mood of living in the 21st century (laughs) yeah no i think so um like hyper normalization uh like i'm i'm interested to see what your thoughts are on it because like that was my main impression of curtis before sort of uh really encountering like his hopeful side right um like i mean yeah I've heard a, that there, one's a lot darker yeah there's a bit of hopefulness in like his first chapo interview i wound up watching a like sort of panel talk he did with alan moore of all people oh wow. like a couple okay. years ago that was really interesting they really dove into like the discordianism stuff in that oh, it was yeah. really interesting but like a lot of i'll say a lot of uh like sort of the points he lands on were sort of prefigured in that talk. Like, you know, there was a lot of talk about like, Oh, you know, what's the current moment. And it was like, you Mm. know, like Curtis is a, you know, a, a a journalist first and foremost. And like, uh, I think he'd say, uh, I guess I don't know what he identifies as, but he seems to like, you know, it's a faith in progress. Like he's, Mm -hmm. he's a humanitarian if nothing else. Um, uh and certainly left leaning i just i don't know if i'd call him a full leftist just because he seems to Hmm. i don't know especially his treatment of of uh china and communism i think yeah you know it's it's not uh it's sympathetic it's sympathetic but it's western and it's still very much this like uh Mm -hmm. 
I don't know. It seems too informed by Western propaganda on a yeah. certain level. Um, yeah, I, I think I think his treatment of China is definitely probably the weakest part. Of, yeah. Um, yeah. But like a, the the man's intentions are so good, and is like uh, I mean, his examinations of Western culture are are spot, spot on. on, yeah. If nothing else, but I I really like that he he tries to understand um, mm. the you know what's going on somewhere else and how it interacts with what's going on in the West. Like I mean, he yeah. he does a good job of like trying not to be so Western centric, but I mean, his his yeah. most incisive critique is on Western society for sure. For sure. Um, yeah. Man, where uh, where was I going with that? <laughs> well intentioned, well intentioned liberal. Ah, oh, man, I don't know. Um, Adam Curtis is good, basically. Good, uh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, right. The the bummer, the bummer ending of of hypernormalization. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, putting that on in you know late 2016 or 2017, and sitting down that and watching that is kind of cathartic in its own way. It's it's a yeah. bummer of a movie, but it's just like. I feel that, bro. Yeah. You, you know, you feel yeah. like, oh my God, someone gets it. <laughs> you know, someone's yeah. like giving language to what I'm feeling right now. Um, you know, mm. he's trying to understand what's going on. Um, yeah. In a really interesting way. And, mm. you know, his manipulation of like, you know, stock footage and, you know, mediated images, like it's mostly, you know, newsreel footage, essentially. It's yeah. just like the entire fucking BBC archive. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying mm -hmm. to think. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to see what I mean, what it is aside from just good. Um I'm enjoying going back and like thinking on more of his previous stuff. Um I, I really like what he does with philosophy of science. I, I think that's what I'm most interested yeah. by. Um, you know, is just treating science as related to the politics of the time that it comes out of. Yeah, yeah. He's he's I, seeing I it as you know, embedded in a time and place, like whereas, yeah. you know, everybody else, like, oh, science is eternal, science is true. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, right. No, it's right. a it's it's a culture. It's uh yeah, it's a discipline, it's it's not immutable. It's <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, way yeah. of doing things that has a certain value in some ways. Uh Right. I mean, it's um, as far as like the manipulation of materials, I think you can't really doubt <laughs> yeah. science oh, yeah. as an approach to that. Um, uh, like, yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, just look at how weird, you know, technological advances are in the 20th century. Right. I mean, oh, I yeah. like I don't think humanity's gone through such un such technological development in such a short time. Like uh, yeah. you go with, you know. You know, memories of a world lit by fire, and all of a sudden, sure. the power to annihilate an entire city, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> like we in a pretty short period of time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, of course, it makes sense. We're still fucked up. Like, what is the 20th century <laughs> if not like the the single biggest self inflicted trauma the human race has ever experienced? <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think what's interesting about it is, I mean, especially when you get to the social sciences, like science science has always been influenced by by the by you know the politics of the time that that's always been true but it's always it's particularly true now <laughs> you know and and part of that's especially with the social sciences because like you know it it's hard to picture like you know uh what what normal human nature is or what the like homeostasis of like the mind looks like when you can only research people within the certain context that they live 
you know, like there's in which takes for granted that like, you know, h- how somebody was like what normal was in the fifties or something like that. Yeah. Uh, is what's normal now or, you know, yeah, that, that in, we're all, our minds are all reacting to some of the biggest technological advancements to ever happen. Um, and so, yeah, like, I don't know if what the psychological makeup of somebody in the fifties and someone now is, is, is going to be the same or should be the same. Right. Yeah. It, it, it can't know. be, it can't be, you know, um, which is why I like, yeah, Curtis's, um, emphasis on consciousness, like, you know, yeah. what's, what's the story of the late 20th and early 21st century. It's the sidelining of consciousness, the, the mm-hmm. view of the human as sort of, uh, a semi self-guided automaton that can be sort of poked and prodded and made docile yeah. and controlled. Um, you can't tame people. <laughs> people don't like yeah. being controlled. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. you know, and uh, you know, he makes this good point of like, yeah, you can whip them up into like states of anxiety and frenzy, but like you can't ultimately control them. <laughs> right. Um, outside of, you know, physical force. Yeah. And, and well, stuff. Because, um, because what, uh, what, I mean, what behavioral psychology and stuff does, I mean, like the, like, I think the most, the most interesting part argument, I think throughout that, you know, it can't get you out of my head. Um, is that like the that we assume people's beliefs or their their understanding of the world doesn't have any impact on how they act when you're approaching <clears throat> approaching things from a behavioral psychology approach you know because you you assume that it's like well it, you know regardless of what somebody says they believe or what they'll do what they're going to do is going to be influenced by you know, X and Y unconscious factors that they, they don't have any control mm-hmm. over, you know, the way their, their, you know, mother raised them or whatever. Um, but like, that's not true. Right. <laughs> and yeah. in the process, we've kind of like ignored the role that beliefs and politics plays in like our behavior. Yeah. Um, you know, and so you can build a, uh, a social media uh, based around, you know, like, like social media is based around getting emotional reactions out of people to get clicks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is particularly spiking anger is like what Curtis points to, Yeah, uh, you know, that actually, yeah, it's not, it's not pleasure that social media is driven by it's, it's specifically by, you know, anger, which encourages clicks or whatever. Um, but that, that process of like, you know, clicking and, and engaging with social media that's fueling anger is, is going to be fueling anger within the belief systems that we hold. And so it's not just going to be random anger. It's going to be anger toward an establishment or angry anger toward a minority group or something like people's beliefs are still going to come out. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. (laughs) That's why Curtis is haunting me for the last few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I like, I love, I love his empathy and his, um, yeah, his, his, his desire to understand. Um, I think he like, um, I, I guess there's some like, like some critiques maybe from like more hardcore film or, you know, full on Marxist Leninist types. He's not appropriately materialist or he doesn't respect the documentary form. Um, <laughs> the man takes an interest in people. Yeah. Well, and I th- like it's you know, he uh have you run into the the accusations that Curtis is a conservative? Have you run into that stuff? Not not really. Um I, I've been running into it more and more. There's a YouTube video that was getting handed around in like a Mark Fisher 
like uh, Facebook group I fumbled into at one point. Um, and it was like, oh, Adam Curtis is a conservative. And it drives me up a fucking wall because there's this yeah. one quote from, I think, 2014, where Curtis said, Curtis was kind of scoffing at the fact that he gets called a leftist filmmaker all the time. Um, just because, you know, like, like you kind of pointed out, he does not necessarily a leftist. Like, I mean, he thinks, you know, capitalism and stuff is responsible for everything, but he's not like part of any specific movement, you know? Yeah. I think he's, he's skeptical of ideology in general, I think. Right. So he was Um, scoffing at it. But he recognizes the appeal or something. But yeah, go for it. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. So, no, you're good. So he was making his point by saying, he's like, well, there's tons of things I say that, that agree with neoconservatism. Um, and so people have been quoting that fucking quote for whenever they're trying to discredit him, but he specifically says, uh, the neoconservatives domestic policy. Um, and so they're like, Oh, look at this, this, you know, conservative Adam Curtis. And it's like, okay, well look at the actual neocons. Their foreign policy is the stuff that you're thinking of right now. Right. They're domestic, their domestic theory and their criticism of the left that I, I think is legitimate to some degree was the, was left like individualism. You know, yeah. de- to, you know, derailing the left in the sixties. And that's not really that conservative of a criticism. Like that's, that's the criticism yeah. that the neocons were coming up with when they were still Trotskyists, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, that, that isn't an inherently right wing thing. And, yeah. and that's, that drives me up. Uh, that just drives me nuts because yeah. it's like, you know, a really necessary critique of the left, I think is, is that it can become a, a game of aesthetics or individualism. Um, but then people are just like tossing out that criticism because they can stick the term neoconservative on it. And I didn't right. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, right. It's like the word. Yeah, you're right. It's not a, yeah, it's not a gotcha at all. No, no, <laughs> you just really got to look at it in context or, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's assuming like conservatism is, uh, like a monolithic movement. No, it's just as messy yeah, and fractious as the left. Like it's, that's yeah. Uh, you know, there's no co there's no coherence to it. I mean, there's just more money behind it is really the only difference. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's just like a yeah. lot of rich people who have some really fucked up ideas about the world who I are going to uh... fund some stupid bullshit and give fucking John Podoritz a job, you know, like it's... <laughs> I, I think more people would benefit from listening to know your enemy. That's my oh, God, I'm yeah. say right now. Cause I, I don't know if I could have articulated uh, what the different streams of conservatism were um, until I listened to it. Right. Yeah. I, I think they all kind of blurred together and I think by sussing them apart and kind of like, you know, here's, here's what the neocons think. Here's what the paleocons think, you know, it actually starts to become very, very apparent that conservatism is this like internally contradictory movement oftentimes that we think of as a set of doctrines, but all of those doctrines contradict. Yeah. Um, yeah. And when it comes to at least the intellectuals in there, they are united from this like post red scare um, need like united around similar enemies. But at the end of the day, like, you know, there's been two different people from, the national review that have written books called suicide of the West. And one of their diagnose one, one book's diagnosis of the West falling apart was, was that it was, um, it lost the liberal tradition. And the other one was that it had adhered too much to the liberal tradition. Right. And yeah. That's conservative yeah. <laughs> <in a nutshell. laughs> oh God. Yeah, man. Yeah.
Right. I mean, because I, I grew up in a certain slice of it, you know, that very, yeah. you know, the evangelical, like, sort of pseudo intellectual wing of whatever, like the whole, uh, it was like Summit Academy and World yeah. Weekend types. Um, some dude named Bill Jack. I don't know what he's doing these days, but <laughs> probably a fucking asshole. Um, I would assume, yeah. Right. It was, you know, it was, it was like, you know, the, the project was countering new atheism with apologetics, right? You know, like logical argument, that sort of shit. Uh, oh, yeah. Not, not acknowledging that at the time the new atheists and the conservatives basically agreed on everything. But. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it was about, it was strictly about whether or not God is real. Like that's yeah, all it was. Yeah. <laughs> Whether or not well, on the, on God the whole, be... Sam Harris and <laughs> Sam Harris and oh, yeah, your yeah, pastor yeah. both wanted to bomb Iraq. I mean, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, right? Yeah, it's like okay, military can do whatever it wants to do. Like American Empire can American Empire, but uh, yeah, God damn it, is there a Skyman or not? And can we prove <laughs> it with logic? Um, <laughs> uh, right. I, man it's just yeah just embarrassing in retrospect <laughs> you know like, you know you're trying to hold up these like ideals of western culture but it's like just picking and choosing this you know sort of random pseudo christian art and opposing it to like uh, you know like I, I mean i think one of the things that sort of like launched me over the wall was like the like really kind of digging into the piss christ thing you know, right. um, you know, it's like, oh, it's, you know, disgusting. You you put you you can't put Jesus in urine. It's, you know, this like deeply blasphemous thing. And then right. you're in the guy who made it's a devout Catholic, you know, like he believes in this shit, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, his his uh, his cosmology. I mean, there are vast differences between Catholicism and evangelicalism, but like, you know, supposedly they, you know, follow the same God, you know, <laughs> yeah uh worship the same jesus christ like you know it's uh yeah just you know how much you know culture could distort and like uh yeah um or yeah i don't know where where it's going with that but i mean yeah that, that <laughs> just you know that short-circuited my brain a little bit and it's like oh maybe there's kind of like multiple paths to the good you yeah. know and you know I, it, I think that's what needed I, I needed to deconstruct was just that limited notion of Christianity. Cause it was very like it it's very natural for me to have come back to Christianity now, but like Yeah. I mean it was just it, such a stifling and apolitical way of looking at it that was I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I know I know what you mean. I'm 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 sort of easing back into like yeah. being comfortable like saying I'm a Christian. Like I, I yeah. you know, it's just not I I haven't necessarily chosen a community to participate in, but it's like definitely yeah. a huge part of how I understand the world. Um so mm -hmm. that if that if nothing else and uh there's enough weird Christians. I mean, there's I can I can find whatever yeah, you know, certainly you could find something. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, even if it is just, you know, I wind up going to, like, you know, a church that's a little more conservative than I am. I think I'm I'm more concerned with just, like, being around people now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I just, I right, I, theology doesn't matter. People do, you know? Uh, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, yeah. Damn, we haven't even talked about like computers. 
and like the whole technology <laughs> angle of Curtis's stuff. <laughs> like, uh, I think it's, is, I think it's kind of an, it's, it's there, you know, it's, it's part yeah. of the behavioral psychology aspect of it. Right. Think, yeah. Most of our social media and technology is built around behavioral psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I, I just thought like the discussion of, uh, you know, artificial intelligence is, is merely just training computers to find patterns or whatever. Um, yeah. That was really good. The cybernetics uh, stuff. Yeah. 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 It, it, uh, it reminded me of, um, there was a guy, I watched a 12 minute like video. This dude did, um, uh, the guy's name is Saul Urich. Um, mm-hmm. but he wrote the novel that the movie, the warriors is based on. Okay. Um, so it was like taking this, uh, you know, it was, it, the whole gang war thing. I think it's vaguely dramatizing the the assassination of Fred Hampton. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, you know, it took the story of like, you know, centurions uh, trapped behind enemy lines, you know, making the journey home. Uh, but it was like this, you know, New York gang called the Warriors and they go to this big gang summit and there's you know, this new leader is going to unify the gangs against the police, but then he gets shot during this big rally. So they're, they're this little upstart gang from Coney Island and they're in downtown and the whole, the whole movie is them just making their way back to Coney Island, <laughs> on foot. <laughs> you know, like yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it rocks. It's a great film. Um, great. It's so good. Like, check it out. Uh, yeah lot of lot of really goofy stylized stuff in it it's right, right. very very early 80s so he writes this <laughs> book um i i went to great lengths and no small expense tracking down a, a small volume he wrote um for the semiotext imprint mm-hmm. um called metatron um and i never really got around to finishing it but there's a few ideas in it <laughs> Uh, that are because like he like a lot of his stuff's out of print he's this really obscure figure but he was a really um early critic of the computerized society um you know and like his his big critique is like okay so we have all these technological wonders but they're based on technology that are just fundamentally adding machines Mm -hmm. you know you know and they're if they're just adding machines they'll never be able to match the complexity and associative and meaning making power of the human mind like it will always ever be a pale imitation of that and i think that's something really important to keep in mind when talking about like artificial intelligence and and actually i mean and and it goes kind of both ways too because our our understanding of the human mind or the human body comes from our understanding of technology like oh you're right yeah yeah during the enlightenment they were always like oh you know our bodies they're these these mechanical things like clockwork because you know clockwork was like the the right thing at the time and then now we say that the brain is like a computer but most neurologists would say that's not even remotely fucking true but (laughs) but you know we we kind of like understand ourselves from like we see technology as a mirror to some degree or another whether like oh yeah absolutely yeah it's it's not actually a mirror but we perceive it as one i should say because you know if we kind of get our Mm -hmm. like our marshall McLuhan right like technology is always like an extension of us in some way. Um, and so because of that, we kind of interpret our own identities from the technologies we use. Um, mm, yeah. And so yep, that, we become, yeah. we come to think like computers, the more we use computers. 
in a right. sense. And uh, turns out it's giving us hella anxiety. <laughs> it's um. fucking us up, man. <laughs> well, I, I think maybe this is a good place to end, I think, here. Yeah, I mean, um, we've probably got enough material. I, and I, I think, uh, yeah, the final statement is you're not a computer... Uh, go be yeah. a, a human being, God damn it! <laughs> uh, <100%, laughs> better world's possible. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think uh, like a good sort of concrete um, thing. Um, I don't know. Can can we just do like a ten minute? Like I've I've got a couple yeah. things I actually want to hit with you. Yeah, on, let's go for it. Here. Um, well, uh, I don't know. So a big part of why like this Adam Curtis documentary struck a chord with me is. Uh, I don't know his affinity with Mark Fisher, and I think he really, uh, I don't know. He diagnoses the problem correctly, and he points toward the solution. But I think Mark yeah. Fisher kind of like concretized it, um, you know, by saying like, "All right, we're in this technological society, and it's giving us anxiety and depression." You know, the first, yeah. the first step is putting the fucking phone down. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> right? Like that's the thing that's blaring all this. And you have this compulsion to check your emails or check Twitter. I mean, I, uh, um like that's that's the conduit that's that's mm. you're interfacing with capital through that thing no matter what like i mean yeah i'm gonna go download a chop a trap house and talk about communism with my friends on discord but i bought the phone from apple and like yeah you know, i'm not trying to moralize about this but you know it's it's an mm. extension of capital into my life and it's yeah this thing i carry around with me because i need it to function now um yeah. but uh yeah first step is yeah put the phone down <laughs> um yeah. like i uh i don't know i haven't really developed any like accompanying like spiritual practices but like kind of like a few days before lent i'm like all right i'm gonna do lent i've never done lent before wait wait, wait. did do you it. do the same thing i did, did maybe so we, we both do no twitter for lent yeah i i i definitely posted about it i wasn't sure if you had seen my post but i know I that not every like like giving up twitter for lent or giving up social media for lent is such a cliche at this point like it totally it's is, been yes. a trope for like 10 years like it's not new but i'd never done it i've never observed it yeah. and i'm just like all right i spend a lot of spare moments just endlessly scrolling and it mostly makes me feel bad right i mean it makes me feel like i'm connected to other people but it just mostly makes me feel bad like yeah. the, the sense of community comes from a sense of commiseration we're all dealing with the same stupid bullshit but it's not yeah. making me feel like actively good it's just kind of like yeah keeping you on an even keel barely and mm -hmm. then like spiking your outrage every once in a while yeah so i'm like all right so we'll get rid of that i actually went a step further i gave up beer for lint but basically nothing else so oh damn don't get me wrong i still get fucked up but like beer had become such like a habitual thing for me you know yeah that makes sense yeah. like it's like every night you know well i ain't doing shit else i'm drinking three beers you know <laughs> like every yeah, yeah, night yeah. that's not good you know oh, uh, um but uh hmm. i don't know so it's giving that up i mean obviously i still watch tv i'm on the internet um you know right, discord right. or whatever but it's like okay at least like i'm I'm watching tv but i'm finding i'm actually paying attention to what i'm watching because yeah oh i can't go on twitter oh maybe i'll check a discord well not everybody's posting all the time or i'm not not yeah. everything that's going on is something I want to talk about at that moment. So it's right. like, okay, I'm I'm caught up on air. So that's five seconds or whatever, unless there's like a really good chat going on. Um, right. You know, there's my emails. 
fuck emails they're boring you know it's you know <laughs> i've got still got like 10 articles open on the browser on my phone well i don't feel like reading a whole article right i put the phone down you know yeah it's like a few seconds and then i put the phone down and then i get back to doing the thing doing. Um, yeah i've i've read so much more in the last few weeks than i have yeah read. yeah man it's uh it's good so i'm yeah i think i that's like just a really simple first step. I mean, if we mm. want to offer concrete advice, like find a way to use the phone less yeah, is a really good first step because that's like, mm. that's the attention capturing device, man. That's where yeah. all the ad dollars are going. They're trying to get some shit in front of your eyeballs and yeah, it's fun. Yeah. You can connect with people like the internet's mm. not a bad thing. Social media isn't inherently a bad thing, but no. But everybody could use use it less, certainly. Right. Yeah. You know. And <laughs> but of course, that's the first thing we're reaching for because, like, we're so deprived of actual like human social contact, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're looking, we're we're getting into these simulations of it, and so it's like, okay, well, what's the more authentic simulation? Just uh, hmm. looking at the posts of a bunch of assholes I think are assholes that make me mad, and then talking to my friends about how much those people are assholes, or you know. <laughs> <laughs> or is it more fun right. to like be in the discord server with people I know and like, and talking about things we're interested in that we like, or, yeah. you know, uh, cheering a friend up if he's having a bad day or, you know, just yeah. like, you know, you're taking, it's, it's not much better, but it's a little better. You know, it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm. so God. yeah, I guess that's kind of my rant. Just, no, you know, that's, that's good. Yeah, no, I mean, I, it's I, like, I think I think yeah. the idea of like, yeah, that that our friendships and stuff like that are, in a sense, I don't know that it that is the beginning of pushing back, I guess, yes, I guess, right. making a better world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> put the, put the phone down and like, uh, you know, Adam Curtis ends on this, like, you know, don't count consciousness out. It's important. It's powerful. And yeah, like a huge problem is there's so many things that distract us and you stop from developing your consciousness and you yeah. know really being in the world and paying attention to what you're doing and um yeah. right it just by constantly being distracted by everything i mean it, it feels like such a cliche it, it feels so <laughs> dumb but it's it's real <laughs> yeah <laughs> if you can like it feels great to be able to like you know, oh, I'm actually concentrating on a thing for, you know, more than a couple minutes at a time. It's, it rocks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's, I think that's, yeah, I think that's good. That's good. Yeah. Well, glad to do a, glad to do a nice yeah. little bonus episode for you. Man. Yeah. I might actually uh, just count it as a full real episode. Oh, gosh. Cool.